the word from the Lord as we conclude this summer series of 2018. The series is simply entitled The Harvest. This is the 12th and final message of this series. Just let me say before we get started, we will conclude it on Tuesday with three very significant and powerful points that God wants us to remember about the entire series. But this is the 12th final message in this series, The Harvest. Somebody say The Harvest. We began this series right after Memorial Day with sermon number one, which was entitled Help Wanted. Number two, leave no one behind, lost in the house, long ways from home. Don't hate, celebrate. Y'all remember that? Amen. Somewhere between Jerusalem and Jericho, touching the untouchable, sermon number seven, eighth message, a conversation with a stranger. Sermon number nine, Rahab's house. How many of you are glad God saved folk up in Rahab's house? Sermon number 10, snatch from the fire. <laughs> Ooh, I, I'm a living witness. I know some of you may be too sedated and too cute and too blessed right now to admit that you have been snatched from the fire. In fact, some of us still smell like smoke. But God. But God. Last week, the 11th message of this series was entitled The Power of Love. Power of Love. And then this is the 12th and the final message. The book of Acts is where the text is found. 17th chapter and the 6th verse. One verse in that 17th chapter. We're reading from the New King James Version. Reading from the New King James Version. Hear the reading of God's sacred text. But when they did not find them, referring to Paul and Silas, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, listen to these words, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. <laughs> these who have turned the world upside down have come here to reach over and catch someone by the hand. This is the 12th message as we share the subject for this final message. Let me thank you for being here and being a part of God's word over the last 12 weeks. Now hold those hands, look at someone and say, turning the world upside down. Now hold those hands and say, yes, we can. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord, turning the world upside down, turning the world around. The devil is a liar. Yes, we can. How many of you know it can be done? Listen, in this, once again, our 12th and final message we would like to discuss God has, in fact, given us this assignment. 
to discuss and to look at and to view the harvest from the perspective of how we as believers are expected by God to make a difference in the world that we live in. If you're going to be saved, if you're going to be a believer, then you ought to make a difference in the world that somebody's life ought to be touched, should be changed. Somebody's life should be better for no other fact than you lived on this earth and you were an anointed Holy Ghost filled child of God. Listen, there are those who are experts in the study of humanity. There are those who are anthropologists and sociologists and others who will tell you that the problem with today's society is that there is too much uh, division, too much corruption, too much violence. And I will agree that the world is full of division, corruption, and violence. And these are indeed serious problems. However, my brothers and sisters, I would like to suggest to you something that the real problem in our society is that we as people of faith are losing our ability to influence the world, to shape the world, while at the same time we are being shaped and influenced by the people and the things of this world more so than ever before. Listen to this challenge. While the world is being influenced less by believers, believers are being influenced more by the world. Something wrong with that picture. May I preach this? Some, something, something wrong with that which the church's main desire is to be like the world. And the world's desire is I don't want anything to do with the church. Something is not right about that picture. You know I am not one of these judgmental folk that's sending everybody to hell because when you get into the message, you're going to see that I'm talking about a mindset, an attitude. I'm talking about the way we behave and how we treat others. But if, but if we are going to be the light of the world, we are going to be the salt that will never lose its savor. If we are going to be that city that sitteth up on a hill that cannot be hidden, then we must uh, understand and be able to accept the fact that there will be some people in the world that will not like you. There will be folk in the world that will not always understand you. And there will be those who will call you any and everything but a child of God. But we've got to love them anyway. We have to do what God has called us to do. Listen to a great exhortation 
between the Apostle Paul and his protege, his son in the gospel, Timothy. Paul writes in the second epistle of Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, in verses 1 through 5, and I've chosen the New Living Translation to share it with you from. Paul writes to Timothy towards the end of Paul's life. Paul is now an older man, and he sees the end is at hand. But he's concerned, as any mentor is, of those who are coming after them. He's concerned uh, that Timothy and the generations and generations to come are going to struggle with things that if we aren't careful, the enemy will use these things to destroy us and to permanently separate us from God. And so Paul writes uh, in Timothy chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and he talks to Timothy beginning in verse 1, and he talks about things that he ought to be aware of. Now, as I read this, take note of the things that Paul itemizes, and then take note of the things that he does not even mention. Because see, what gets a lot of us off track is that we think that there are certain things that we've got to horn in on. And these are the things that are most destructive things uh, to the society. And God says, no, what is perhaps more destructive than anybody else is our selfish, egotistical ways self-centered ways, loving ourselves more than we love anybody else. So Paul writes, and you know Paul was never shy about pointing out stuff. He pointed out things that were somewhat and still is controversial even today. But he points these things out to Timothy, and here's what he says. And I want you to see this. We've placed it on the board for you. He says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days... There will be difficult times. Now listen to what he says. For people will love only themselves and their money. And if you had any doubt about this, all you've got to do is spend 30 minutes on social media. And you will see folk loving up on themselves, posing. I have never seen so many folk that so love everything about themselves. And somehow, they think the rest of us love them as much as they love themselves. Truth of the matter is, can I let y'all in on something? I just want to be honest. More folk laugh at you than celebrate you. Now, they won't even tell you. Even some of your BFFs won't tell you how ridiculous you look like that. But folk all loving up on themselves, and here's what Paul says, before social media, Paul writes this, and they will love their money. And the church said, amen. amen. Note what he goes on to say, they will be boastful and proud. Can the church say amen? amen. Scoffing at God. In other words, uh, turning away from God. Disobedient to their parents, and all the parents say amen. amen. And ungrateful, Lord have mercy. Have you ever seen any more ungrateful folk than what you see today? That before they ever say 
thank you for the last 10 things you did for them. They're already on number 11. Ungrateful and, and disobedience, they will consider nothing sacred. Not God's church, not God's house, not God's word, not even God's name. Folk will take the name of the Lord in vain more so. Folk say Jesus that don't even believe in Jesus. Uh, Jesus has become an expression of frustration as opposed to an object of our worship. When things don't go their way, they say Jesus. They don't even worship Jesus. Don't even acknowledge Jesus. Why? Because nothing is sake. I don't know about you, but I grew up in the era when the old folk would chastise us, Chip, and they would say, wait a minute, son. Y'all ever heard this? Don't you take the Lord's name in vain. That used to mean something. There used to be some sacredness in the house of the God. We were even afraid to chew gum in church and eat in church because Mother Josephine Anderson and all of these other mothers would let us know God's house means something. And don't you dare run through church. Now some of you let your children run, flip, crawl, do slob, throw, do... Y'all... They can do it even while you are here. They're running up and down the aisles, tearing up all kinds. Preach, Pastor Jackson. Pastor Lawson, nothing has become sacred, Paul says. And then he moves on. The next clause, they will be unloving. And I'll wait till they put it on the board because I want you to see this. Here, here's what he says in 2 Timothy again. And this is so important. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others. Can I preach this? Let me read this again. <laughs> they will slander others and have no self-control. My God. Dogging others have no self. Anything just sets you off. And it, anything makes you angry. No self-control. No restraint. No nothing. Perhaps the reason folk don't have self-control because folk don't have the Holy Spirit. Come on, young adults. On the 27th, we're going to talk about that. You need something in you that when the hellhounds get on your track and, and when hellhounds will raise their voices in your inner spirit, you can have something that will checkmate demons in your life. Can I preach? No self-control. Mm. Look at what he says. He goes on to say this. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends. It is as if Paul wrote this yesterday in 2018. Amen. They will betray their friends. Be reckless. Mm. Be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. In other words, they're rather feel good in church than to learn something in church. Folks seek pleasure.
pleasure that they have come to the realizations that a worship spirit is so they can get their groove on and they can feel good as opposed to let us come to worship God seeking pleasure over seeking the will of God. They will, and I have highlighted this in my notes, they will act religious. Somebody say, you better preach Pastor Jackson. Ooh, let me help you out. Look at somebody say, they will act religious. Come to church. Shout all over you. All around you. He come, I come. She come, I come. They will speak in I don't know what kind of tongues. They can sing. They can shout. They've got the protocol of religion down packed. But they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Listen to this. I would rather you be godly than religious. Uh, uh, see, religious can be a form and it can be a tradition, but godliness is your character. Godliness is how you treat folk when nobody else is there. Godliness is not how you behave up in church, but how do you behave at home with your families? Can your children rise up and call you blessed? That's godliness. Godliness is when folk on your job say, I know there's something different about her. She don't, she don't, she don't participate in all this foolishness that everybody else is. Godliness is when you're not part of the gossip party. Godliness is that when you're not a part of the backbiting entourage. Godliness is when God comes first in your life and when pressure comes all around you, you fall on your knees and say, Father, I stretch my hand to thee, no other help I know. How many of you know how to get a prayer through? How many of you know how to pray until something happens? Somebody say PUSH. Acronym, pray until something happens. That's godliness. Paul says they act religious. That's why I, I'm not impressed with how folk act in church. Amen. What impresses me more than anything else is what kind of reputation you have outside of church. I have been in church long enough to look beyond titles and positions and don't always equate elevation with spiritual revelation because there are a whole lot of folk have been elevated, but they haven't gotten the word of God inside of them. But how many of you know when God lives inside of you, you don't need a title or a position. You don't need to be the loudest in church because you know there's something inside of you. Anybody's got a relationship with God where he speaks to you, he talks to you, God walks with you every day? Here's what Paul tells Timothy. Lastly, last sentence in this. Stay away from people like that. Help me preach this. Look at somebody and say, stay away from people like Change your friends. Change your circle. Change your environment. You don't need to be around anybody who act like this. Now listen, although this is a very sad commentary, the good news is that God can use us as people of faith to turn things around. 
Anybody know the devil will not win, shall not win, cannot win. God can use us to turn things around. Listen to the text. In this text, God has given us in Acts chapter 17. This text talks about a great example. For Paul and Silas were missionaries. They were ministering all over Asia. They had gone to places. Paul, three missionary journeys. Paul, who gave his very life for the gospel. The text finds them in a place called Thessalonica. It is the place where he writes two epistles called the Thessalonians to them. And he writes first and second Thessalonians to those in Thessalonica. But it was a challenging place. <laughs> uh, Thessalonica was a place where Paul received a lot of resistance. He received a lot of, a lot of confrontation from the enemy. But yet, go back and read those two epistles, and you will find out some of his most powerful words are found in First and Second Thessalonians. This situation involves Paul and Silas, who had been in Thessalonica for at least three weeks. How do you know that, Pastor? Because the text says he preached three Sabbath days in the temple. Three weeks. Three Sabbath days. And you know, whenever you're doing good, there will always be resistance. Can I say that again? Don't you think that the enemy takes a break when you are doing good? In fact, the more church you attend, the more you worship, the more the enemy is out to destroy you. And so Paul and Silas were preaching in Thessalonica in the temple on the Sabbath day, uh, which was very unusual because the Jews at that time did not quite figure out what was going on. But here's what happened. The Bible says many people were saved, even prominent women. Read the text. Prominent women of Thessalonica began to get saved and, and people began to give their life to the Lord. And then the text says there were evil men who were envious of what God was doing. In other words, they were jealous. They were upset because folk were getting saved. When folk give their life to the Lord, there are folk out there who are downright jealous of that. The enemy uses them to come up against us. And the Bible says these men formed an, e an angry mob, and the text calls them, quote, evil men. And they had made up in their mind that we are going after Paul and Silas. We are going to get these men because we don't like what's going on. How many of you ever had to withstand pressure from folk because you were doing good? Come on, how, how, how many of you didn't bother anyone just doing what God had called you to do? And yet folk came up against you. And so such was the case in this situation. They said to themselves, we must go after Paul and Silas. These, these men are turning our, our ladies and our children and the community around. And here's the thing. They could not find Paul and Silas. So the next thing they did is that they went after Jason's house. Now, I want to stop right there because I want to help you understand what was Jason's house. It 
it was not just the house, although it was, but it was the place of the Thessalonians' worship place. It was where the church of Thessalonica gathered. They didn't have temples like we have. The Jews had the temples. Paul preached there. But they didn't have houses of worship. They gathered in house churches. May I preach? And so God used them to go to these house churches, mother, almost like what Mother Simmons and others did back in the day. And they would have worship. And they would read the Bible and they would have testimony service and they would win. And it was so effective that people from all over the multitudes of people were coming, giving their life to the Lord. Since they could not find Paul and Silas, the angry mob, the evil men, listen to this, they went after the church. Hear me. They went after the church. Satan has not changed his strategy. He is still going after the church. He is still attacking those of you who worship God and who believe God. Those who know that God had turned your life around. The Bible says they went into Jason's house and drunk Jason out of his house and the people with him and took them before the leaders of that city with one major complaint, one major fault. Listen to what verse 6 is where the text is. They took these men out and listen to what evil, evil people had to recognize about the people of God. They said, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Even the mob chip. <laughs> recognize there is something special about these people. They have not only impacted our city, but they have turned the world upside. Let's, let's, let's reminisce. Let us uh, use our Holy Ghost imagination and think about what they did. Well, they healed the sick. Look at somebody and say upside down. <laughs> uh, they convinced those who are liars not to lie anymore. Somebody say upside down. Uh, they touch lepers and lepers were cleansed. Somebody say upside down. They healed the blinded eyes. Lame men and women began to walk. Dead folk were raised from the dead. Well, the devil didn't like that because when you start doing mighty things from God, in fact, when God blesses you in a way that is contrary to what the devil wants your life to be, all hell is going to break out in your life. But don't you worry about it. God is still on your side. Tell somebody God is still on your side. They, they, they said these men and women have made this lasting impact, not just in this city, but all over the world. They have turned it upside down. The question for us today as the New Testament church of 2018, the question for you as a believer today is that are you making a difference? Are the brothers at Providence House better because you were there? Women, or are we just having church among ourselves or are we really going out reaching people who need the Lord? Young people, or are we just busy patting ourselves on the back or are we going in the streets? Young adults, can I preach? 
Oh, are we just doing things among ourselves? Or are we willing to roll up our sleeves and go and meet them where they are? And, and the community is better off because we're there. That doesn't mean that everybody in the community has changed. But if once somebody has changed, God gets the glory. How many of you know God can empower you to change somebody? He can touch the community. You can touch your house. Your children ought to be better because the anointing of God is on your life. Come on, somebody. Clap those hands and tell the Lord, thank you. Give God your best praise. Tell the Lord, thank you. Now listen to this. Listen to this. God has empowered us to do something that only empowered believers can do. Listen to what Jesus says in St. Matthew's chapter 16, verse 18 to Peter. You know Peter, the liar. Peter, the man with all kind of issues. I've been preaching about him for the last three or four weeks everywhere I've gone because God says, if I can use somebody like this, I can use anybody. Listen to what God says. Jesus asked the question, who am I and who do folks say that I am? And they just gave all kind of answers, Elijah, John the Baptist. And then Jesus turned and said, but tell me something. What is your opinion of me? Who do you say that I am? Peter says, thou art Christ, the son of the living God. Then listen to what Jesus says. He says, Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to withstand you, to prevail against you. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And I will give you the authority to do something only believers with authority can do. Look at somebody and say, do you understand you have the keys? You understand what God has empowered you to do. Here you are worried about, oh, Lord, what's going to happen to my child? Oh, Lord, Pastor Jackson, can you come lay hands on my child? You've got the authority of God. You've got the keys. There ought to be enough anointing in you where the demons will pass by your house in the neighborhood and demons will huddle up and say, oh no, we can't go up in there because there's some praying up in there. Something happens in Mother Janie Jackson's house where she prays folk out. Mother Ellen Lopkin, Mother Marva Diamond, something happens in folk houses that pray. Can I get a witness? How many of you had folk to pray you out of some situations? Don't fool me now, but anybody know what God can do? You've got the keys. And whatever you bind on earth. Good God Almighty. Whatever you put your foot on on earth. That's the kind of authority you've got. If you go to your job tomorrow morning. And you declare and decree. And folk don't have to see you or hear you. Because we don't do it for sure. But if you can just lock yourself up in a bathroom, in your office, in your cubicle, in your cab, whatever you got, and say, in the name of Jesus, I declare and decree that no demon from hell is going to impact me on this job and no weapon formed against me is going to pry. I tell somebody, speak it. Tell them to speak it. It will not happen. I feel a praise up in here. Y'all help me for just one minute. Grab your neighbor by the hand and say, neighbor, 
you have the authority to turn this situation around. Don't you wait on anybody else to do it. I don't care who's in the White House. It doesn't matter who's in the White House as long as we know who sits on the throne. What's his name? What's his name? Do me a favor. Stand to your feet. Cross the aisles and say, neighbor, you have the authority to make a difference wherever you are. So the devil is a liar. Say, speak it. Job 22, if thou declare a thing, it shall come to pass. What is it you want the Lord to do? In the name of Jesus, save my family. Deliver my daughter. Deliver my son. No crack house can have your cat. Who am I preaching to? Woo! Get you a praise partner. Grab somebody by the hand and say, neighbor, we have the authority to turn the world upside down. Say the devil is a liar. Your job is better because you work there. Your community is better because you live there. The role you sit on in church is better because you sit there. Gloria, everybody next to you got to be blessed because you are an anointed woman of God. Anybody know that you got the anointed to break the yoke? Somebody say, do it, Lord. Now listen. Stand. Hear this. I feel like preaching, but I got to drop this in your spirit. But before I drop this in your spirit, think of one thing you want God to do by next week this time. Ooh. Tell your neighbor, give me some room. Say, neighbor, there's one thing I need God to do by next week this time. I don't want you to tell anybody. I don't want you to share with anybody, but I want you to declare it within the bosoms of yourself, within your own spirit. Come on, take 10 seconds and just think about it and declare it among yourself and then clap your hands and give God your best praise. Come on, church, come on. Lift those hands and say, God can do it. Now listen to this. Say, God can do it through me. Listen to this. This is perhaps the most significant point of this whole message. And I put it on the board. You want God to turn the world around? You want God to turn your family around? You want God to turn things around on your job? But here's the point, and it's on the board. Help me upstairs. Before we can turn things around in the world. Whew. In fact, I need you to help me confess this to somebody. Get your prayer partner. Put both hands in there. Come on. Y'all, everybody find somebody. Put both hands in there. And say, before we can turn things around in the world. <laughs> Woo. Getting ready to preach this. 
Mike, I'm getting ready to come down the aisles before we can turn things around in the world. We must first let God turn things around in our lives. How can you turn the world if he can't turn you? Come on. So here's what God said. God said, Pastor Jackson, before I can use anybody to turn the world, they must allow me to turn their life around. Get your praise partner and say, neighbor, God is turning it around for you right now. The devil is a liar. You won't be broke always. You won't be sick always. You won't be lonely always. You won't walk around and hurt. Take 30 seconds and give God your best praise. And say, turn it around. Come on and help me, praise Help me. Anybody that want God to turn something around in your life, leave your seat. Come down in now. Don't even think about it. But stand in this aisle and say, do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Come on, Zion. Once God turned your situation around, God will use you to turn your family around. God will use you to turn it around on your job. God will use you to turn it around in your community. God will use you to bless somebody else, but you must first allow God to turn it around in your life. Come on, Zion. Somebody open your mouth. Throw your hands up and say, turn it around. That's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. Somebody, somebody on the internet is praising God because you've taken all you can take and now you want God to use you to bless somebody else. Turn it around. Do me a favor, turn around one time. I got to get up out of here, but I feel like putting a praise on it. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, give me some room because God is about to turn my situation around and when he turns you 
You're gonna turn somebody. Here we go. Clap those hands. Give God your best praise. Can somebody say, get ready? Get ready. Listen, Brother Ivan, that Sunday you walked down those aisles, how many years ago was that? Oh, it was several years ago, five, six, seven, eight years ago. And you gave me your drug beeper, and you said, I don't want to do this anymore. The devils in hell were angry because the devils know that now that God has turned you around, God's going to use you to turn somebody else around. Brother Fred, when God bless your life, the devils from hell were angry because the devils knew that God has turned your life around. He's going to turn somebody else's life around. Antoine, raise your hand, son. When God brought you off the street and turned your life around, God knew that he was going to use you to turn somebody else around. Can I preach to somebody over here? How many of you know that God has turned things around with you? You've got 30 seconds to give God your best praise. I want to do this. I want to do this. I got to do this. God told me to tell the two of y'all, friends, go ahead and put your arms up. He's going to use you all to do a mighty work in the kingdom. Baby, your mama was anointed. Kim, your mama is still anointed. Don't ever get discouraged. Young people, don't be discouraged. However you got to do it, sell t-shirts, put the word out. Do whatever you got to do. Spread the gospel. But God is using you all to turn this world upside down. Somebody say, turn it around. I feel a shift. I feel a shift. Can somebody say, I feel a shift. Shift. George, shift. Lift those hands all over this place. Brother Rashawn Mitchell, who has visited us at this church before, 
writes a very powerful song. And in fact, it is one of my favorite. But I just feel something in my spirit. I feel God. Quanda Kim, God told me to say that. I, I don't say anything that I don't hear from God. And I don't know when it's going to be. I, I may be dead and gone. But God told me he's going to use these ladies and others in here to make a difference. Ivan, Antoine, ooh, Fred, others. Don't ever get discouraged. God turned it around for you for a reason. And sometimes the enemy tries to discourage us. And tries to tell us that nobody appreciates you. And underused for the kingdom. But the devil is a liar. God knows how to find you when he needs to use you. Amen. No, no, nobody can hold you down when God gets ready. If you don't believe it, read Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. God was ready to use Isaiah, and Uzziah was in the way. And Isaiah had to declare, and in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And if there's anybody who's standing in your way from God doing something for you, even if it's Pastor Jackson, God knows how to move us out of the way, Mother. Let me tell you this, and then we're going to sing this song. Chip, you remember this. Bishop Jackson came to us <laughs> sometimes at the beginning of 1996. I was content being right there. Never, ever wanted, thought it was time. And I said, Bishop, I, I'm not ready. I, I want you to be the pastor until you die. And he talked to us. You were there chipping. He was talking about the future. He said, son, God says, if I don't shift out of the way, God will take me right now. I said, what do you mean? He said, God says it's time for a shift. He said, you, you don't have to promote yourself. When God gets ready to use you, God does it organically. It comes up naturally. Ooh. And listen to this. My daddy lived 10 more years. Listen, I was his pastor for 10 years before he died. Mainly because he understood what God was, what, what am I saying? Ooh. When God gets ready to use you to make a difference, God knows where to find you and how to use you. You don't, you don't have to promote yourself. But when God gets ready to do it, Kwanda, Kim, others in here, whoo, keep doing what you all are doing. Proud of these young people and others that are here because you don't have to be here on a stormy week when many folk have decided that I'm going to sleep in. You're here. Because God is about to turn it around. Sometimes discouraged, but Sean Mitchell says, but not defeated. Cast down, <laughs> but not destroyed. Ooh. There are times I don't understand, Ooh. but I believe. Somebody help me say, it's turning around for me. I've had struggles and disappointments. There were times I felt so alone. 
some of my friends they let me down but I still believe it's turning around for me Ooh, put your arms around somebody and say around for me tell them around for me it's turning around for me I can see the breaking of day God is making a way a change is coming for me if I stand strong and believe there is no reason to doubt I know he's working it out once again look at somebody and say it's turning around for me now listen to this last clause which I love it won't always be like this <laughs> Woo, good God Almighty you need to encourage somebody put your arms around somebody and say it won't always be like this the Lord will perfect that concerning me Woo. sooner or later it'll turn in my favor it's turning around for me. Come on, Brother Anthony. Come on, praise team. Ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah. Listen to God. Sometimes discouraged. Sometimes discouraged. But not defeated. Ooh, Cast down. Cast down. Yeah. Not destroyed. Ooh. There are times. understand but I believe it's turning around for me you see I've had struggles and disappointments there are times I felt so alone Some of my friends, they Ooh. let me down. We just want to worship I this Just lift those heads. Keep those arms around, around somebody. For me. I want you to encourage somebody right now. Ooh. Around for me. As you embrace somebody, tell them around, around for me. Around for me. Ooh. Around for me. Tell them around. It's turning around for me. All around. All God's using around. you. Ooh. It's turning around. For me, 
been diagnosed. I don't know if she's here today. She's not here with cancer. But here's what God told me. I want everybody, anyone in here who's ever been delivered from cancer, I want you to come stand on this step with me around this way. Sooner or later, anybody in here that God has delivered you from cancer, particularly any, any woman in here, any... turn in my favor. I want you to make a circle. You can wipe your eyes. Come on, come it's on up gonna here. It's going to be alright. Others, look at this young girl. Come on, y'all help her up here. Come on, come help her up, baby. Y'all form this circle around there. Come on. Put your arms around. I just want the women right now. They don't turn in my favor. Come on, come get out the... I just want the women that have ever been delivered from cancer. Look at this circle. I, I, I want the men to stand away. I just want the women right now. All of the women that have been delivered from cancer. All the men back away. I don't even want you in the shot, right? I want the cameras right here. It will turn. I want y'all to come on. Now that we are surrounded by such a host of witnesses. Woo! <laughs> Look at, this is what Hebrews says. All of these women that are surrounding Brother Daryl Spivey on behalf of his wife Debbie, they all have been delivered from cancer. And God said, now that you are surrounded by such a great host of witnesses, don't you doubt Lay aside every weight, every discouragement that tries to persuade you that God is not able. And tell him sooner or later, 
Debbie, I know she's watching. God is able. God is able. We don't always understand the mystery of godliness, but God is able. Lord, we thank you. Encourage this brother. Encourage his wife who's at home right now. Now, Lord, we pray for those that are at this altar. We pray for those that are viewing by way of internet. We touch and agree with those that are listening by way of radio. You can use us to make a difference in this world. But first of all, we must allow you to turn things around in our lives. We can't change the world if we're not willing to change ourselves. Help us, Lord. Things we used to do give us the strength not to do them anymore places we used to go take the desire away even if the desire is there give us the will to walk by those places and say we will not indulge anymore people that were around us give us a new circle of friends Lord you're able to do it you are able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ask or think we declare and decree and touch and agree that it is already done in Jesus name in Jesus name amen amen sooner or later put your arms around somebody say he's turning it around if you want to make that commitment this morning if you want to make a commitment this morning if you want to join the church if you want to just recommit your life to the Lord this morning Come on and stand. Get to Anybody here that want to make it soon? It'll come in the morning light. Oh, sooner or later. Anyone else? God's going to do it. Come on. Anyone ready for God to do it for you? Let him turn it around for you. Let him turn it around for you. Walk down those aisles and stand at this on soon. It won't always. Cause it won't always. Ready for the benediction. But God will. The Lord will perfect that concern. know why I just can't leave that for a minute everybody cross the aisles and find somebody and say God is turning it in your favor right now come on everybody let the cameras come on yeah yeah God is turning it as we stand for the benediction. Let me personally invite 
you ought to come out Thursday and Friday. You don't have to have a title or position. You're just a member and you want to come and find out what's going on in the ministry. Come. We're going to do something we've never done before. We've invited our outside auditor to come all the way from Atlanta, Georgia. And he's going to share with you because in full transparency, we want you to see what God is doing through your contributions. We're going to talk about where we go from here, the development. We are so proud. We hope before the end of this year, we can announce that we're going to start a new housing development with almost 500 workforce housing apartments for people that are looking for homes. We're getting ready to add to Congaree Point. And on top of all of that, on 2020, look at somebody saying, 2020, we're going to burn the mortgage. Amen. God gets the glory. Amen. And if God can do it through us, God can do it for you. Amen. So everybody is invited. All of you are invited to come and be a part of what God is going to do on this Thursday and this Friday. For the last time again, I can't leave this sooner or later. <laughs> I'm working you today. It'll turn in my face. Come on, for the benediction, just stand by somebody. Put your arms around somebody you're standing by. He'll turn. Everybody touch somebody. God told me. God speaking to somebody. Lord, we thank you for this service. Thank you for the anointing that was in this place. Thank you for so many that came out despite the weather. Thank you for others that are viewing by way of internet, those that are listening by way of radio. You've reminded us that you can use us to make a difference in this world. But first, we must allow you to turn things around in our lives. As we prepare to leave this place, and return again on Tuesday night. Help us to invite somebody so that we can share with them what you're able to do. Protect us over the dangerous highways. We pray that no hurt, harm, or danger comes to us. We pray for those who could not get here, Lord. Continue to walk with them. Now may the grace of God, the sweet communion of your Holy Spirit, rest, rule, and abide with us now, tomorrow, and forevermore. Those who know it is already done said amen, amen. Look at somebody say it's turning, it's turning in your favor. Ooh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. God bless you. See you on Tuesday night. Yeah.